Welcome, Welcome to, to the Prescriptions, Prescriptions Podcast, bringing TCM to mental health. All right, so this is the first prescriptions with all four members. I know. Ooh, hey, everybody. So exciting. Full house. And uh, tonight we're going to kind of work off of some of the feedback that we've been getting from people and be a little less teachery and preachy and kind of just uh, share some of our thoughts about two sides of the same coin, anxiety and depression. Um, they definitely are two sides of the same coin. You either run on one side or the other. Yeah. Uh, you rarely find a person who has both, although I have seen a few that kind of go back and forth. And I'm not talking about like bipolar people. I'm just talking about maybe somebody who is an anxious person and is unable to make something manifest, so they have those moments of depression. But... Um, I feel like, and I, th I think we're a good group because we have two transplants and two LA natives to talk about um, what seems to be to me, and you guys can challenge me if you disagree, but a kind of a special currency of anxiety in Los Angeles. And I noticed it, I'm originally from the Midwest, so I was born in the South. Um, but kind of raised in the Midwest, and I noticed it immediately when I moved here. Um, people are like crazy anxious, and my kind of take on it after maybe a few months of being here was, this is Hollywood, and people, as I was saying to Hong earlier, like if a movie got made in Indiana or in Illinois, it was a big deal. Like you you're like, oh, that's how that happens, and that scene was just shot in this one little corner, and it looks so big, but people who grew up here are used to functioning with facades and knowing that there's nothing behind that, and I think that that, in my opinion, has really sunk into the psyche of L.A. in general, and that people are more concerned with the outer in the inner, but they're constantly chasing that working on the inner. Oh, I meditate. Oh, I go to yoga. Oh, I have a shaman. And all of that is also a facade because they're not really doing the work. I mean, you can see people who go through the same pattern over and over and over and over and over again with their healer, always staying at one level, never getting better, but they're talking about oh, yeah, so when I wake up in the middle of the night because I'm anxious and I have insomnia, I meditate, and then I go, but their insomnia never goes away. And to me, it's like when you are constantly bombarded with, oh, this is the happiest place on earth, but none of it's really real. It's all just a fantasy that's been created that everyone, it's, it's bred in you if you're here. And if you come here from a different place, wanting to enter that kind of business, you get sucked into it as well. Because I've seen people from the Midwest move here who were not anxious in the Midwest, who became anxious here. Um, it just seems to be kind of a special breed to L.A., for sure. I think you brought up a lot of good points, and we're going to get into multiple to kind of encapsulate that there's the whole environment in which people live in. There is the intentions of why they're here and what they're doing. The subtleties that people don't know that's affecting them in what the city brings 
and then the factors of okay how hard it is to live here in some context whether you're talking about rent or travel traffic and all that wrapped up in this picture that people are trying to create for themselves because the only thing that they can compare it to is the music and the entertainment industry that is getting idolized so I think for me, one of the biggest things that I realized as a native, but someone who went to school in San Diego and came back, is how almost rare that there are people here that are natives. Because And I never got that. I started, I was like, yeah, I'm from L.A. Oh, really? I don't meet many people here. And so hearing how people came to the city or why they came here and the intention of, okay, maybe I wanted to do music or entertainment at first, and then I had to do something else because it's really hard whether or not they still are playing a part or acting or creating a character persona even in the jobs that they may be totally different if someone gives them a glimpse of hope that this could start up again they're always almost waiting for that and I think that creates some of the anxiousness is like can my dream that I once have when I came to Los Angeles reignite or reemerge and so when anybody's walking down the street, going out to a social event, there's always this, not wall, but um, but almost like a testing of boundaries where, okay, is this an opportunity for me to talk about my music, my art, or my past life as an actor, entertainer, so I got to dress up, I have to do this, I have to have a certain amount of money, or speak in a certain way, and then they diverge from their true self or they lose the essence and they start to become anxious about every opportunity that's if to a past dream do you think that's why people who so i've met like a lot of people who are in their 60s in their 70s and they suffer from stress and anxiety and I mean, for me, I, I, I even had a patient that was like 87 and came in for stress and anxiety. And I just remember thinking to myself, if I'm 87 and I can't handle the every days of life, someone please shoot me. Like, I should have it together by then. Like, do you think that, that those people also are holding on to some old dream that never happened? Maybe I think that gets more into the environment and the idea that we're a collaborative. So if you have everybody else walking around, interacting in a certain way, discussing, being open and having maybe not necessarily disingenuous social interactions, but always with this one foot in, one foot out or guardedness, then you assimilate if you're not strong enough in your own route to act in a way that's outside of that system, as well as you throw the amount of traffic that comes in, the subtle energies of just the space itself, the lack of nature or the pockets of certain communities where you have more of like this um, community-rooted thing versus a very transitory aspect of the society. How does someone who may have dropped some of those ambitions or has lost the need to feel guilty or shame or any sort of um, I need to appease an exterior validation still can't escape from it because 
the energies around the whole city preface that and whether or not they're aware of feeling it it's being pushed upon them the city is so judgmental i feel like people really come here they want to make it it's oversaturated with musicians actors writers whoever and it's all a creative energy that people want to be acknowledged and seen they want to if uh, this producer or whoever picks them up and they they get all this recognition then it makes them feel like they've accomplished their goals and it really happens so rarely and those people that make it they really feel really deeply which makes us relate to them so much and we're like I want to be that person that's on the TV if you've ever noticed like some of your favorite movies are your favorite movies because of the way that they make you feel and people really if you're trying to be somebody else then you're not being your authentic self and people won't relate to it and so that's just my opinion on that it's like a creative thing that people need to get out and then that's what makes it genuine and people really the baseline of it is people want to be validated and be like you are good you know I really like what you have to say and do. Jess, you had said in a group text uh, last week or so when I kind of said, why are so many people in L.A. anxious? Because yeah. I had just run the gamut of them that day that you felt that uh, people were trying to judge their insides, I think you said, based compared to other people's outsides. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about like what you're what you what you feel as a native that that feels like for people so we go around and we see somebody who looks like they have everything perfect from the outside and we're like i want to be like that person or i wish i had what that person had but you really don't know what's going on on the inside and sometimes it's so hard for us to get vulnerable with people and say like everything's not fine right now i'm actually not doing that great um and we just assume that they are doing well. And you just never know what's going on really deeply with people. Um, some of the people with the most money and that have famous parents who grew up in Malibu, like have the ideal life, whatever that looks like from the outside, they are struggling so hard because of this, the L.A. lifestyle of wanting to be accepted by other people. Literally, that's the basis of the industry is judgment. Like, you have to look a certain way, and looking a certain way is really easy to do with makeup and uh, surgeries or whatever you want, and it's just not real, you know? So you never know what's going on in, some, like, somebody's deep-down emotional state. Like, most of the people in Hollywood are shen-disturbed, so it's not, like, all rainbows and unicorns like it looks like it is um and we all like people want to be famous but to have people looking at you every day like you can't really go outside without everybody staring at you and judging you like I wouldn't want that because I don't like the way that that feels sometimes when people stare at you you know a little awkward (laughs) And then I think the way in what I was talking about how it trickles outward is every single service industry, whether it's food or 
some home service or entertainment out in the world has to almost be prepared for somebody of importance, potential importance to stop by. And if you notice like a lot of places, they'll hang pictures on the wall. This person was here. And that almost certifies their worth as whatever industry that they're serving. So then how they educate their workers to be, uh, have a certain discourse or conversation or um, even further than service, but almost like demeaning. Uh, not I don't want slave is not the right word, but like you, you're you're giving up your power to potentially serve a person that has this idolized authority. So then when maybe normal people or people that aren't in the industry come in and they say, okay, how are you doing or what's going on or what's your name? Like when I've asked that to certain people, they're like, oh, oh, you care about (laughs) me and you really want to know what's going on? You know, even just close to Yosan, we have Rainbow Acres and I asked this woman, how are you doing today? And she's like, I'd rather not say because I don't want to lie. And I said, no, I really do want to know how you're doing. And... And she's like, it's all right. I, I you know, don't want to talk. I got to kind of go think. And I said, you know what? I just wish that you have a better day and that um, whatever is going on uh, shifts for you. Because, okay, we can't hash it out in that moment. She has other people to take care of. But the fact that that's almost shocking to people, it saddens me that that's become normalized in the realm of this city. I guess what surprises me about that story is that she shared with you that something was wrong by telling you she didn't want to tell you because she didn't want to lie. My, It's interesting to me that you bring up service, the service industry, because that was one of the first differences I noticed about L.A. and the Midwest. Like out here, I felt like I actually got better service. And that people were nicer to me, serving me things. Really? Because they're all acting. Oh. Yes. <laughs> they're all acting. And and I quickly learned from then having to serve people um, in, in, in a different, like not food. I worked in the veterinary industry. But then comes this like sense of entitlement that people, even the homeless people here, f- seem to feel entitled. Um. And I think that comes from having this customer service industry where people act like they care, but they don't really care. So everyone gets used to assuming I'm going to get this level of service, and if you don't give me this level of service, then I'm going to be a pain in your butt. And and it also then makes your coworkers in my experience, again, I'm going to say more likely to be fake and stab you in the back where in the Midwest, when you're working with people, you're the team. Like it's you against management or you against the public. Like you never see people on the same level throwing each other under the bus. And there's so much throwing people under the bus here in, in the work industry. And I, and it's it's perplexing, and it's the only thing I can come back to is, yeah, because you you're surrounded by facade. And the other thing I think that comes into play is the rating system. And I feel like 
whatever industry or economic um, career base that you're in, there is maybe an app for it like a Yelp. Or when you have an Uber or a Lyft, you're giving people stars. So Mm -hmm. in that workforce, everybody is under this scrutiny of what the public eye perceives. So when it's, okay, I need this job, so I better be the best person here. I can't care for the person that just got the new job, so I'm not really going to train them well. Or, um, you know, you want to cover a shift, like, sorry, I can't do that because I have this event to go to. Or um, I get certain bonuses or perks for being the top of whatever my industry is. And that is all validated now in a technological world. Like even the yellow papers is gone. So you can't just go in and look and say, okay, by the name of this thing and it's in the section of plumbing, cool, let me just call them up. No, it doesn't have that many hits on Google or it's not that, you know, it's not even coming up. You don't even have a website. You don't have an Instagram. Sorry, you're never getting a business. So everybody has to pretend and make these moments that show that their business or persona is actually valued or seen enough or viral. Okay, but let's talk about that. So everybody knows that whatever you're showing on your Instagram is staged. That's not the time that you're having. I mean, I I know of people who have been at like a, it's a bridal shower. They take the bride to Vegas and they're all sitting on their phones and then they'll snap a picture and post that to make it look like they're having this great time but they're really not doing anything so everybody knows that that's what's going on with social media yet still we allow that to rule whether or not that business is good whether or not that time to be had is good it's all based on somebody staging a picture so I mean, that in in itself makes me anxious, and I don't understand anxiety. I'm more of a depressive type. So it's just like, like how, how as healers do we, do we combat that whole part of it, or do we even address that? I think we kind of talked about this once a long time ago in, in the learning center, like, is this something that we should be trying to fix in people and making them realize, or is this just the first step of wherever we're going next? And like, will that be good or will that be more frightening? I think the one thing that although is probably true for a certain number of people, but this is an assumption on your part is the fact that people recognizing the staged quality of it, because it's become so routine that even though And the other side of it is people are anxious to never miss the moment to create content, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, we were doing this. That was so cool. I should (laughs) have taken a picture. I should (laughs) have posted about it, right? (laughs) So that creates some sort of anxiety in the social realm. But then on the part of the people who are ingesting that, I think how we combat it as practitioners is to simply give people back their power to say, okay, why do you value this? Do you realize that there's other options and you have a choice? Because I think with anxiety, there's a component of unknown and a component of um, stuck 
to stuck quality. So if you feel like, okay, this is the only way I can ingest information about something and or I don't know where else to get information because the idea of, hey, Didi, you know, I went to this place. It was really cool the other day. Maybe you should try it out. Maybe we don't interact that way, but I've seen other social circles where they're like, I don't know if I can really trust that. Let me look it up and see and validate what you told me as a personal suggestion if it's worth me even going because it takes an hour to get across the city to get to that place to experience what you suggested to me. But that's such a sad statement on your relationship with that person who's taking the time to share that with you, that you would have to get validation from strangers that it's a good time before you can go do it. That makes me sad. Well, uh, I agree with everything you're being, you guys are saying. Uh, I've been here in L.A. for about four years. I came here for school primarily, uh, but I don't want to be the devil's advocate, but for me, I really enjoyed L.A. so far. So it's been a good experience. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think mainly, be, uh, but I agree that L.A. is a very young type of culture, and we create the social dynamics that are appropriate to that type of culture. Um, and uh, I do get very anxious just being around other people because I'm so calm to begin with. It's okay for me. But uh, there was a bit of a learning curve when I first moved here. Like I was used to more of a, a Midwest kind of 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 like lifestyle and kind of community uh, culture where you have really close friends and when you plan things, it's like it happens. Mm-hmm. Because you say, okay, let's get together. I say, okay. And you kind of know each other and you kind of know how, wh- what's going on. Uh, here in LA, you gotta be super flexible because things change like the wind. You know, it could be okay one moment, and then a little bit later, it's like, oh no, I, I have this going on, this going on. So it took me a while to learn that curve, but once I adapted and accepted the fact that so-called my sister would call us flaky people, mm-hmm. like LA people are super flaky. Uh, once I accepted it as a, as a norms of how things are, I yeah, I got along with things. Uh, LA is amazing. It has a lot to offer. Very, a lot of artistic people. A lot of creativity. The energy is very, very busting. It's like oh, all that. But the culture has become content. So culture as content. <laughs> so there is a lack of like rootedness in terms of actual real culture. But a lot of creative energy. A lot of young things going on. I think the reason why I like LA so much is because I'm not involved in its main culture, which is you know this type of uh, Hollywood. This type of uh, musician, creatively, artistry, the dancing, all that beautiful stuff. I'm just here to enjoy it, mm-hmm. but I'm just doing my own thing. So the fact As you should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, Hong. Okay. You'll probably know, but isn't L.A. a Virgo town? Uh, it might be. I think it's a Virgo it's a town, Virgo thing, yeah. uh, which would make it critical. And uh, But that mercurial energy also being there creates a lot of anxiety too hmm. well so the flip side though then is how did these people become depressed how 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 do you get depressed in such a young energy place since depression tends to be more of a deficiency type of thing um, I guess one obvious way is when you don't achieve those goals and you continue to compare yourself maybe say you and your buddy come out here to be actors and your buddy makes it and you don't 
uh, I could see that being a real reason to get depressed or, but um, it's it, like coming from the Midwest where you only have sunshine <laughs> for, you know, a, a quarter of the year. Uh, that was one of the very first things that I noticed that it was very difficult for me to maintain my usual kind of sadness kind of person because it was so bright and like every day it's like sunny in 75. What do you have to be sad about? Um, so I'm curious like what you guys who are natives think about people who like are Shen deficient. I think it's a portion of attrition. And so yin as a pathology is more chronic and it occurred over a portion of time. So for people that have lived here for decades or have seen the transitions, because I think as we have grown more modern, more technological, a lot of this uh, angst has gotten uh, exponentially increased. So whether you want to live outside of that system and as Huang is more of like a spec spectator to it and not necessarily in a part of it, but because you are inherently subjected to that energy wherever you go, unless you just maybe live in a little suburban town that's not really affected by it, even through your media and, and through your news or how you come across somebody, it's like, okay, I, I wish it was this way or I've tried to do things a different way, or I want to create this, and if it's not valued in the same way that the groupthink populace is accepting, there comes maybe rejection, or not acknowledgement, or failure, or just a dissonance and a separation to the point where you're using so much of your energy to try to create whatever lifestyle uh, you want and that drains you and you become depressed because there's a definite truth of all the things that we mentioned that this city holds and whether that wasn't the case when you were here 30 years ago or you came here because of life and you appreciated what you had in your original home you lose out on and eventually depression just kind of creeps into your space and that's not even including any sort of trauma or life instances that just come come around that's just living in right. itself i like what you're saying um it's interesting i hadn't thought of it that way um and it all kind of comes down to like a lack of acceptance of like this is the way things are but i wish they weren't like this and maybe even aging like the I know a lot of people in LA don't like the aging process and kind of wish that they were in a younger maybe they had opportunities when they were younger that they feel like they missed out on or some kind of rejection in the past and and things happen and time goes on and we kind of like don't want it kind of want to stay in like a certain place where we feel comfortable like in your comfort zone. Um, but you, do you kind of understand what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, I'm hearing like the themes again of acknowledgement, um, which all goes back to the heart, which goes to anxiety. And, you know, it, it 
it's like LA is a really kind of to me insomniac kind of city um, where it's easy to fall asleep but not stay asleep and um, yeah so I, I get it. it it's like but I'm I'm constantly I mean I'm not like a crazy traveled well-traveled person but I've been a lot of places and I've been there long enough to observe the people and kind of get a feel for things and you know I'm a Pisces so I just absorb emotion wherever I go and I'm thinking about you saying Sean so like restaurants will have pictures of you know celebrities have been here whatever that occurs all over the world you know but it it doesn't carry the same weight that it carries here and it just becomes its own special brand of anxiousness and anxiety and depression and and it I guess as a healer, I'm trying to find that. <laughs> that one answer. Not that one answer, but like the way to lead people to the place where the yin and yang flow together. And to be able to say, okay, yeah, I'd, I mean, granted, I'll be the first to, to tell, you know, to say hallelujah. Traffic here will really make you decide how you live. You know, and whether it's worth it for you to go to something that completely makes sense to me. I, I get that above all. But I don't get how if you say, yeah, I'm going to come to your birthday party or whatever, but let me check the traffic and I might not come. That lack of integrity, I, I don't see how that becomes a part of it. Like how you can then use that as an excuse to not show up to work on time or um, not meet your obligations socially or, you know, any of those things. It's like, what point, what, what, where does that come in? Like, why, why do people lose their integrity? Oh, I got that one down. I wanted to speak on this one. Huang mentioned it. It's the a mass amount of opportunity. So it's like if I miss out on this one gathering, there's going to be another group the next day or the following day. Or I look up something online and there's a social outing somewhere else. So I'm never missing out on a potential. And thus, I don't give weight to uh, the fact that I want to see Huang or I want to see Jess. Because the other thing I think that occurs here through the growth of friends if you're native like myself, I've I got I still hang out with people from high school here. Some people have moved away, but if you come here as someone as a transplant, then maybe some of your relationships occurred with less history. So then there's less investment of okay, well if I change a job or I move, I have to find another circle of people or support system. And how that happens is through various opportunities or outings. So then, not to say that people walk in or become disingenuine in their friendships, but there's not the small town vibe or the suburban area or the Midwest or even some of the more like East Coast pride in the city that like, okay, there's only this many people and I can't burn that many bridges, so... I should show up or I should care where here it's kind of like I can reinvent myself. So if someone's mad that I didn't come to whatever they said, or I became flaky, 
I can move on. Wow, that just blows my mind. <laughs> I think you're completely right. That makes complete sense to me, but it blows my mind. It really does blow my mind. And I think that's also what comes into this idea of depression is that whether or not you want to accept it, like Jess said, it's a truth. And knowing a truth and and trying to live outside of it automatically got to create a disease in your body because you're constantly coming up against a challenge that puts you in a state of, okay, how do I react? Rather than I can't just simply live because if I live, I'll be eaten up. And this is the make it or break it city. So if you're not conscious of that, you're going to get caught up in, in, in the waves of the turmoil that's possibly inherent. But don't get me wrong, I don't want to sound so dark. I agree with Wong. I love this place. I think it's so interesting because you can do all those things. It just takes a, a special person or a special support system or a certain kind of willpower to really own it and move through it. And that's a place that we can also come in as practitioners and how do we reinforce or empower our patients is to create the internal worth without the comparison that Jess was bringing up. Didi, you don't need friends. You have Instagram followers. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's where, you know, being the old person in the group <laughs> sets me aside because, you know, I come from the generation of, yeah, you have, like, real relationships, real friends. The pictures that you take are because you remember doing that, you know. Um, I I wonder if people are going to... You know how if you tell a lie enough, it becomes the truth. If people will be, you know, who are in their 20s and 30s now will be looking at whatever form the cloud is when they're 50 or 60 and saying, oh, yeah, remember when we went to that ice cream place? We had such a great time, but not remember that they really didn't even have the ice cream. Like one person bought a cone and they all took a picture and moved on. Quite to possibly. the next place, like, will they really have the memory of having had a great time at that ice cream shop? I don't know, and that's hard to, it's hard to even internalize because that's a total potentiality. And the other thing with L.A. and growing up, and granted, this could just be some of the news or the readings that I got, but as a generational thing in millennials, they're not getting out. They're not doing as much. They're living through what they are ingesting online. So whether it's because you're a starving artist or you have school debt, um, you know, more people living at home with parents because you can't buy anything here by yourself, then your timeline or whatever you're scrolling through becomes how you escape or get out. Mm. And the also structure of the city itself, whether it's the amount of parks you have or community centers or free events or things that make you want to step outside of your door and just enjoy the beauty of the world. Like you said, the sunny 70-something degrees every day. I think it's there, but because that's not the moments that I'm going to then post to validate that I had a good day when someone asked me something 
maybe you don't take as an opportunity or you don't search for, even though that's exactly what you need. It's just to sit in a park, have some food there, do some reading, touch the sand, you know, or go on a hike up in the mountains. But what is stopping that for each person is very individualized. And that's the other place I think where we can step in is figure out what blocks or what tendencies does a person have to creating this stagnation of experiencing the natural laws of the universe that we abide by in Chinese medicine. Well, that makes me wonder, like, what did you guys do and what experience did you have that led you away as natives to be more genuine? Because I consider the two of you, like, two of the most genuine people that I've met in L.A. And, you know, I know maybe a handful, like you say, most people say, oh, I don't meet very many people who are from here. But I know maybe a handful of you who are genuine and that I do trust. And I I generally go through my relationships here in L.A. uh, kind of like I do with homosexuality like I just assume everyone's gay until they tell me differently and I just assume everybody's not trustworthy until I find out that they they can be um and I think about things like you know I've spent a a good amount of time in New York and the the anxiety there is more Woody Allen-esque it's about constantly reviewing who you are and obsessing over that and you know what kind of thing and people people obsess here over themselves but like you said and you've mentioned in a more superficial way and I guess that's the yin and yang of America but when I meet people who are from here who are on what I consider to be a path of integrity I'm like oh how did you manage that? It's interesting you say that um, without going into like exactly why the whole story, it does have everything to do with being on a self-discovery journey or a journey of self-discovery of knowing myself as well as I can and then feeling secure in myself without having to get external validation from others like I barely use my Instagram I don't like posting that much I am but I'm interested in what other people are doing sometimes it does make me really annoyed but sometimes there are gems in there that are good stories and kind of looking at it as from a Taoist perspective everything that we see on the outside is a, a mirror you know of what is going on within us like, we could live in this town where everybody is anxious, depressed, try not to absorb it, which is hard because of we're so empathetic. Um, but trying to focus on the beauty and the positive things. Because the world is not like... I love Earth, the world. Um, but it's not like the m- most balanced place. And what I... Tr- focus on is the bigger picture of 
I would love for the world to be in balance. And But who taught you that? Like, did someone teach you that? How did you find your way to that? I mean, Sean has already talked about how you know, this, the energy has always been around you. You were born into this energy. It's been on you your whole life. So how did you not get caught up in the facadeness of it all? Do you know? Um, serious depression. Uh, I got sent to a facility where they told me everything I ever thought was wrong. And it was kind of like breaking me down to build me back up. It was really hard to accept all that. Uh, once I did, it got a lot easier. It's just everybody's on their own journey. There are some people that go through these things, and I realize it's part of my journey is to help others try to help others learn the gifts that I've been <laughs> given, or not really gifts, but I mean, life is a gift, you know, it's just my view from when I was younger is so much different than it is today. And it has to do with this one instant where I, everything changed in my life. You had an incident. What about you, Sean? I could, I could uh, resonate with that too. It maybe wasn't as soon in my life. And I think a portion of what I said before about your support system and friends and family through the communities that I live with, the opportunities that I had. I, looking back now, am grateful for the social circles that I ran in because I think, you know, up until the ages, you know, of 18, before I left for college, I was exposed enough, but also kept in a certain barrier away from things that, I wasn't aware of or cognizant of the time that it was going on or I could live outside of that. It probably was ingrained in me and that's kind of how I worked or operated but maybe didn't identify with. But I will say that even though probably people would have considered me genuine throughout my entire life or having a, a you know a good amount of friends or being very... Um, outgoing through sports or through uh, growing up in South Pasadena, which some people wouldn't even necessarily consider Los Angeles. It was very different being there through middle school and high school versus where my dad was on the west side where I didn't really have friends. Granted, I wasn't going to school there, but he was very much more mid-city area west side where I couldn't just... Um, walk out and have that same sort of pride or acceptance or validation because I really didn't have much social structure there. But at some point, it still hit me hard. And that was in college. And I think you transition to a lot of things that occurred in your childhood hits you when you the veil of maturity falls off and you're like, okay, oh, this is really life. Um, so I went through a bout of depression where I was lost and kind of was like everything that your all of your comments about that's sad, that this is how it is, I felt. And I even held for other people because I was like, it's so unfortunate that people who I believe in, care about, and see potential will never reach 
because of the structure that's going on here. And it wasn't until I broke out of that did I sort of have the same sort of alternate perspective that Jess had where, okay, there's another way to do this. And the one thing I didn't mention, I think, that happened to me when I was younger is with my parents' divorce, I always felt like, one, I lived two lives between the two of them, and I was forced to deal with much more mature situations a lot earlier through the dynamics of what they put me through. So I was almost trained how to act or live a dual life through my family life. So then when it came to dealing with the city, I was like, oh, I've done this before. And because I was told about various more adult things through the divorce and how they shared with me uh, struggles or adversity or the inherent portion about living here because my dad was from the east coast so he didn't really identify with it that's what i was gonna ask i was curious if either like if your caretakers were natives my mom lived here for longer but she you know was born in salt lake and um lived for a portion of time more in like orange county kind of area um so there was some of that but I think they never really gave in to the thing. And in the case of my dad, really also affected him in some negative emotional ways. I think he felt it. So he always prefaced how I interacted with people. And I so I was always cautious to that. I think that's what opened my eyes maybe sooner to it than others. My dad was born in Connecticut, but moved to Santa Monica when he was very young. But my grandparents were from Italy, so that's a whole different dynamic of the old school Catholic culture. Uh, my mom was born in Burbank. Her family's been here since the revolution. I mean, not uh, California per se since the revolution, but in America and very early on in California. So uh, I'm first-generation Vietnamese-American. I was born in Vietnam, and then we moved here when I was nine. So for me, growing up was being bilingual, bicultural, tricultural, bilingual. Uh, my dad made me learn Spanish early on, so I, he says, you're in America. Everybody speak Spanish. You better learn Spanish. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. uh, so for me, it wasn't hard. For me, I always felt like an outsider because I was never quite embedded in any one culture, but I was moving between the cultures. I was translating for people both in a linguistic sense, also a cultural sense, like how things are supposed to be. Um, so when I moved to L.A., it was a big change. Uh, I was used to growing up in more conservative cultures. Uh, Vietnam, oh, interesting. Uh, during the 90s was a very interesting point in Vietnam's history. We just recently, by that time, uh, like a year before I was born, we ended uh, – we gave back private property. So before then, it was, everything was state-owned. Uh, people were doing business. It was like seeing like 60 years of industrialization happening within like a five-year span. Like I remember first time seeing a block of ice, first time seeing a refrigerator, first time the first person in, in, the, in, the, in the village or like the, the block had a telephone and then had a TV. That was like radio. I was like, whoa, it's so cool. Where's all these things coming from? Uh, when I moved to uh, the Midwest, it was a 
luckily was a very safe place to be, pretty conservative. Everybody worked nine to five. Everybody shops at Walmart. Everybody goes to the same place <laughs> in a McDonald's, stuff like that. Uh, very stable environment. Um, then I moved to LA, mm-hmm. and it, you know, this is, you know, this is America because when people see America on TV, it's either LA or New York. That's how people think of the United States. So I, I, I got to get to the United States <laughs> four years ago. <laughs> it threw me for a spin, actually. Um, wasn't quite used to the way the social dynamics here is, is, is going on. There seems to be a very disconnected, like you don't really have strong connections. And it feels like you're all alone by yourself. So that threw me off a little bit at first, and I got a little bit spin around. But... After you know coming to terms with how things are, I say, like, oh, this 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 could work. <laughs> no, I can relate to that. I mean, I grew up biracial, so I also kind of never really felt like I belonged one place or another. And coming here, I'm still looking for my tribe. It's like I I don't know that they exist here, but something brought me here. Mostly the weather, um, and they're you know. You like to keep thinking, yeah, there's a, a tribe out there with your name on it, but they'd have to be really chill. I mean, that you both brought up an interesting point, which is your comfortability with being an individual and sparked my nostalgia of like, okay, well, how did I get to that point? And I think the other thing that happened to me was that I, m- I moved, you know, a decent amount of time, not excessively, but to the point where whether it was like switching schools or even if I was going to the same school but living in a different community so there was different, you know, neighborhood kids, I had to learn to become comfortable or with this dual life of entertaining myself, being happy for myself, um, and getting comfortable with myself because that whole external validation, the mirroring, all the things that we've discussed, when it hits you, and to the degree it hits you, it, I think, comes to the, the point of how comfortable you can sit with yourself. And in doing so, you might be able to step out of the L.A. paradigm and also act in a place that's more genuine because you know yourself. And how you get trained in that just depends whether it was like your family like you asked or social groups or school and not everybody is afforded the same opportunity here because there's a great degree of discrepancy um, in culture because it's so mixed or monetarily because it's so mixed or even as I said we lump a lot of people into LA but the real micro cities or segments is very different so that in and of itself, I think, creates part of the pathology because you can't say, I'm from this city. You always lead with, I'm from L.A. Because people don't know anything besides that. Let's talk about like how we might deal with anxiety from a TCM perspective. Um, we were talking about excess and deficiency. So we talk about depression being more of a deficiency Uh, kind of uh, disease, for lack of a better word, and uh, anxiety being more excess. Um, They're both 
very yin and yang as well. We haven't really touched much on herbs, which is kind of the reason that Prescriptions is here in the first place. Um, These podcasts are meant to kind of introduce people to the fact that you have alternatives to your mental health. You don't have to be on Prozac or uh, the new wonder drug, gabapentin. And I say that like that because you guys would not believe how many animals are on Prozac and gabapentin. Um, Like tons. Like every weekend of my job, I'm spending time refilling Prozac and gabapentin orders for animals. So that tells you a huge amount of what's going on in the city right right there but so prescriptions is meant to show people that there are more natural ways that you can deal with your disharmonies with your shen disharmonies and uh, we really want to focus a lot on herbal and so hong sure i can master hong So we we've just gave you like a few examples of how things are in LA and how we've been interacting with this city. Uh, the beautiful thing is that you know eventually the the objective of the Taoist and the objective of our medicine is to empower you, the patient, to be able to come to terms and to have your own route and be able to you know see your life and be able to engage it in a way that works for you. But until then, the beauty of our medicine is that with everything we've talked about. TCM has ways of looking at it. So we, we see the human being as a dynamic of, of different areas. So you have your biological being, your internal, you know, the, your subjective self. But then there's also the community aspect of things where we have the culture and the society. So the society being more the physical manifestation, the how we do things, the, 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 the traffic, the transportations, while the culture is what values are particular to your place. Um, um, our medicine teaches us to see that all of that is a form of energy and therefore we don't get attached to it we don't um, get overwhelmed by it but that we can address it with a number of different varieties uh, of course the one that I think is um, most convenient for us and most effective sometimes is herbs so for example LA being the, uh, being the culture that it is that it is a um, uh, from a sang, sasang uh, perspective, we call that a ren realm of being, which means it's a heart-centered being, where a lot of your energy is being used from the heart. That means the blood of the heart is being consumed by the process of creativity, by the process of trying to be expressing yourself and trying to get attention. And therefore, instead of like worrying over it, like getting worked up about it, we just kind of accept that that is the culture of LA. Build your blood. Yep, you got to just build your blood and clear the heat from your blood. Yes. So a little bit of sugar to clear up the anxiety, <laughs> a little bit of sun sour in, a little bit of that, and a little bit of this. So we approach it from that perspective in terms of how the culture of this locale, of the function of this of LA is affecting you. But we also recognize that you have a constitution that we were, you were born with. So we are different people coming to LA. There are many transplants. Some people get anxiety and some do not. Like I'm like myself. I kind of like LA with all the anxiety built in because naturally I'm not that anxiously, you know, inclined, and so the anxiety does spin me around a few times, but it doesn't affect me that much. So knowing that, uh, 
um, I, you know, you also adjust the formula to fit the, the constitution of your location. But unfortunately, LA being the way it is, it draws people in who are already anxious, already a kind of prone to anxiety because they want to live in a world where their chosen path is the entertainment industry, the service industry. And that, that's why they came to, they, they, you know, they made their way to LA. And we can help them with that as well by treating their constitution. Um, uh, in terms of the culture, uh, we can't address that that much. We just ask you to choose your own circle, <laughs> that, that kind of exactly. uh, that kind of people. Hopefully, you will find your tribe, and <laughs> patients will find their tribe. Uh, and then uh, on the more subjective self work, we have uh, meditations that are appropriate for different types of people. And you guys both mentioned one nourishing the heart and then clearing heat from the blood. So to kind of give a little array of the various categories, these herbal components are set upon their properties and their affinities towards a certain temperature, uh, action, and organ are put into categories, and we learn those throughout our time at school. So when we talk about anxiety, whether due to an excess of stagnation or heat, because stagnation can also create heat, we're cooling the blood, as you mentioned. We're getting rid of fire. We are uh, draining certain organs of their heat, and each appropriate formula can address the causative factor. And on the flip side, if you're dealing with more of the deficiency and the depression, there's things that we would say, nourish the shen, or tonify your chi, tonify your blood. And also, let's remind all the listeners that as we have said in our previous podcasts, no one's anxiety or depression is going to be the same TCM diagnosis. So we're able to take those variant categories and create a blend of, okay, do they have a little bit more of this? Do they have a little bit more of that? How do we customize it? And then if there's degrees that are longstanding, you, we talk about dampness or phlegm. And there's a whole nother category of herbs that apply there. So with all that, there's an amalgamation of what we would call a formula set to basically bring you back to homeostasis. And what the herbs are going to do in those variant factors is eliminate that energy that Huang was describing. Well, we would call it one of the evil cheese or pathogens that coming in from an external stimulus or how your body is reacting can be created from the internal description. So we're not necessarily even treating your branch symptoms that come along with anxiety or depression, but in clearing some of that energy, allow your body and your mind and your spirit to have the space to breathe, to start to examine all the constructs ideations, philosophies, realizations, self-discovery that we mentioned because, again, as we talked about with prescriptions, we're one part of the whole treatment. So if we can give any sort of relief, movement, nudge in the right direction, we have to remind ourselves how wonderful and amazing the body is at healing itself. And sometimes you just need a little bit of a formula, some herbs to set you in the right direction. True that. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anybody have any closing statements they'd like to make? I, sorry, I would, 
just really quick, I just want to thank everybody for being here. Um, this is also for us just talking about things like this. It's a really great way for us to heal. To We're not saying that we're perfect and we're healed. Like We're all on our, our journey here together and talking about it and being with your group that you feel comfortable and vulnerable and like no judgment. It's just a real gift. Um, and I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you guys. So thank you. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Yes. And a little shout out slash congratulation to Master Huang, who just recently passed his exam, graduated, and is now licensed, Ooh. leading the way Ooh. for prescriptions. So Our first acupuncturist yes. in the group. I think we should call ourselves TCM practitioners. Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, TCM practitioners, <laughs> yes, because we do more than just acupuncture. Absolutely. And for anybody listening, if you're sad, if you're anxious, if you're angry, remember that's just energy. It's not who you are. It's okay to feel sad, but it's not okay to be sad. So be you. Enjoy all the different emotions that you have, but don't let them overwhelm you. Thanks, Thanks for, for tuning in. in. Until, Until next time, time. salute. salute.